live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I'm not sure how many of you realize this. Going into the Super Bowl, but there was really no way that any of us could lose on Sunday. Believe it or not, regardless of who you were rooting for, regardless of who you hit, how you got down, it was a win-win. Because no matter who won, we were going to get a Kelsey parade speech. That, to me, guaranteed a win-win. Because when we get a Kelsey parade speech, everybody wins, no matter who you're rooting for. Now, I know yesterday we talked about all the manufactured hate and doubt and hot takes about the Chiefs that didn't actually exist. Only in the minds of Chiefs players and Chiefs family members. Because the fact is, nobody outside of Kansas City actually saw the Chiefs as some sort of underdog story who had no shot at all. They keep putting that out there, but none of us believe it. We all know this, except I want to say, and I want to point that out again, I think that everybody is now taking this the wrong way. I'm not offended by it. It's not baggy to me. In fact, it was strategic. It was tactical. It was effective. It's not annoying. It's actually pretty hilarious. Not only were they able to manufacture an absurd fake hate narrative out of thin air, despite the fact that they are led by one of the most formidable coach-quarterback combos in the history of the sport, they turned all that manufactured fake hate narrative into clean-burning rocket fuel, and then they rode that rocket all the way to another Lombardi. I mean... Whatever works, right? Whatever works. I don't know how people are suddenly acting like this is the most unlikable team ever because that's what's happening all of a sudden. Now they're becoming the ultimate heels. Now they're becoming the most unlikable squad. It's not like the Chiefs were the ones that invented manufactured motivation. It's not like this is the first squad to ever rip that move or play that card. And again, it was all worth it because it worked and they won. And it was all worth it because it led to an iconic, legendary Travis Kelsey hitting the stage with a live mic in downtown Kansas City and living up to all of our expectations. Let me take you back to 2022 in the month of maybe April. Maybe. Guys were maybe. getting signed left and right. The haters were saying that the Chiefs would never make the playoffs. Maybe the end of March. Maybe never. The haters were saying the Chiefs were done. <laughs> if you knew the Chiefs were going to win the division, let me hear you say, hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, now. If you knew the Chiefs were going to get the number one seed, let me hear you say, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I knew it. You knew it, but they ain't know it. Actually, we did, big dog. If y'all knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to win the MVP. Let me get a hell yeah. 
Hell yeah! Mahomes? If you knew the Kansas this City dude. Chiefs. Incredible. We're going to have the best offense in the National Football League. Let me hear you say, oh! Oh! No, no, no! That's a good one right there. I like that one right there. Oh! If you knew Chris Jones was going to be the best defensive player in the nation, let me hear you say, oh! Oh! No, 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 no! That feels so good, don't it? Let me hear you say, oh! Oh, feels incredible. Na, na, na. Na, na, na. All right, all right, all right. It's incredible. If you think the Chiefs, how about this? If you think the Chiefs made a bunch of bleep up to motivate them to win another ring, let me hear you say, hell yeah! Hell yeah! And if you're all bent about it for no reason... Let me hear you say, oh, na 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 My man. So let me also say, if you're bent about any of that, just wait until you hear what the real MVP of the parade had to say. He happens to be the actual NFL MVP and the Super Bowl MVP. Somebody who clones like to refer to as Kermit Mahomes. Mahomes? My man was feeling it. My man had himself a day. Now, he didn't quite go blackout, bacon face, at the boat parade, hammer tossing the Lombardi over open water. He didn't have that good of a day. But he came pretty damn close. My dude, Patrick, was on a freaking tear. Like, not that we ever really know any of these dudes, but I'm not sure that I knew that he had that in him. Really impressive. Chugging beers, drunkenly gyrating like it's 2 a.m. at the club, getting standing O's at the Portageon. Damn near fell off a bus at one point. Basically miraculous that he was able to get any words out when he did get to the mic. And then, of course, what he had to say got everybody bent all over again. A rebuilding year. A rebuilding year for the Andy Reid Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes in the middle of his prime. I mean, again, they're all acting like they're the Texans or that we made them out to be the Texans. I mean, the whole thing is so ridiculous, it's actually incredible. These dudes were actually able to convince themselves that the entire world turned on them. But what's amazing is they convinced themselves that it was them against the world, that the world turned on them, but now it actually is happening. The ultimate self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, like these guys were rebuilding? Did he just say that? In a rebuilding year. But then again, listen, don't get this part of it twisted. Do not misinterpret what I'm saying. Like, hate on them all you want. But hating on them is not going to make them go away. In fact, it's only going to make it 
that much worse. It's going to turn the manufactured hate into actual hate, which is an even cleaner burning rocket fuel than the one that they were already running on, which I thought was premium to begin with. You're only going to fire these dudes up even more. Once again, if they were able to run that hot on contrived, made-up, manufactured hate, how hot do you think they'll run on real hate? So then a year from now, you're going to hear Travis Kelsey on stage going, if you helped us get back here by hating on everything we do, and let me hear you say, oh, na 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 My only knock on what went down yesterday, if there is one, and I'm not sure there is because that was still awesome. That was absolutely awesome. But if I have any knock on it, it's that as great as Travis was, he still did not quite hit Jason level with that speech. Then again, I'm pretty sure nothing will ever hit bro Jason Kelsey's victory speech level. That is the gold standard. Peterson was hired. He was rated as the worst coaching hire by a lot of freaking analysts out there in the media. This past offseason, some clown named Mike Lombardi told him that he was the least qualified head coach in the NFL. A man who went for it on fourth and down. Went for it on fourth and down in the Super Bowl with the trick play. It was a play in. No one likes us. No one likes us. No one likes us. We don't care. We're from Philly. Philly. No one likes us. We don't care. I mean, I got to tell you that. Nothing will ever touch that. That's the proverbial put that on a piece of wood, shellac it. Put it up on a wall because that's never coming down. I love Mike Lombardi. I'm a huge Mike Lombardi guy, but dang. And Travis. I mean, I love Travis Kelsey, but dang. Jason is incredible. Mike Lombardi. The standard is the standard. And right there, that is the standard for Ionic parade speeches. Ionic. Travis, you are an icon. But you're still not quite your bro on the mic. You're better than everybody else in the world except your bro. Now, you're better at football than he is because you're the one holding the Lombardi. But in terms of getting up on the stage, nobody will ever top that. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness. Teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? 
If you need to use that, what I just said, for motivation the next time out, the next time you're up on that parade stage, be my guest. Shout me out. Make me the next Mike Lombardi. Mike Lombardi. Van Smack. Mike Lombardi. Jim Rome. Mike Lombardi. Let me tell you something. The end justifies the means. If nonsensical mind games lead to a championship parade, mind game away. Like, for instance, if Jordan had to concoct things in his head to beat up LeBradford Smith, fine. This has been done before. Don't act like the Chiefs are the only ones. If Shaq has to lie to the media about some made-up snub by David Robinson, fine. It worked. KC, come on, man. It's almost like if sex, if sex were able to set up a victory parade every time sex ruined a high-profile person, right? Like, Like sex is the underdog. Never mind that sex is the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. It's never lost. It never will. But that'd be like sex walking around town acting like it was the underdog. And then nobody gave sex any credit. Nobody. Imagine sex up on the podium just talking junk. It'd be like sex waving to the fans on a convertible bus going down the streets of D.C. a day after news broke of Monica Lewinsky and Bill. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Imagine sex being on that double-decker topless bus and screaming into a bullhorn no one thought I could ruin a presidency but here the hell we are let me get a hell yeah yeah. sex is all up on that bus going aww na 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 imagine sex setting up some portable stage in front of NBC. Sex Kingdom! Kingdom, Let me hear you! Sex Kingdom, let me hear you! Let me take you back back to the 90s. Early April. The Today Show is the greatest morning show ever. (laughs) That Matt Lauer was a decent guy. You'd want to invite him over to your Thanksgiving dinner. Doubt that. <laughs> Let me hear you say, oh. No, no, no. I can't get enough. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. Matia Petsitich, nice to meet you. How are you? Hey, good to, good to hear from you. I'm doing well. I'm I'm dialing in back from the office in Palm Beach, so you know, <laughs> life life back to normal today. Okay, you, you actually got to the very bottom of the interview. I was going to ask you about that, but why don't we work our way towards it? Like your entire <laughs> journey is amazing, and not just this past week. Before we get into the Delray Open, can you take us back? You're originally from Croatia. Your family moved to Malta. How did tennis bring you to the U.S. initially? 
Sure. So, so yeah, my, you know, I have Croatian parents, but they were living in, you know, present day Belgrade, which was Yugoslavia at the time. And, you know, similar to what's happening, unfortunately, in other parts of the world today, there was a, a war in the, in the region. And, you know, my parents had to make a decision to, to find a, a better place to go. And fortunately for us, we had a friend in Malta that called my dad and said, hey, you know, there's, they're recruiting foreign doctors. My dad's a doctor. And, you know, if you come in the next couple of days, you might, you might get a shot at, at an opportunity. So, so we picked up and relocated there with, with no intention to sort of stay there for, you know, 30 years. But we ended up staying there for, for a long time. And, you know, I picked up tennis um, sort of locally. My dad started to play when he got there. But I didn't have a traditional sort of tennis junior career. I didn't play junior tournaments. I only played locally and maybe a couple of events in Croatia over the summer. Um, but when I was about 16 years old, I, I said, you know, I, I, there's something more out there for me and I want to get off the island. There's, you know, there's only about 300,000 people living there. And I figured, you know, what, what do I have going for myself? I said, okay, I play tennis decently well, I have good grades. So, so let me see what I can do. And I made a DVD, yeah, back, back when people were still using DVDs, made a DVD of myself playing tennis and made 200 copies, sent it to every school in the United States that I could get a mailing address to. And it caught the attention of the head coach at Princeton, Glenn Michibata, who was a former top five doubles player in the world. And he couldn't quite figure out what, what was behind the stories. Like, how was I this good tennis player with no ranking? Um, you know, promising to do all these great things if I got accepted. And that was enough for me to capture his attention and eventually get recruited to play on the team. And um, so that was my journey to America. It was off of a DVD that I sent from the post office in Malta. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. You know what? I did not know that Glenn Michibata, and I remember him. Because I love tennis. I grew up in Southern California playing tennis. I remember that guy. I didn't know that was part of the story. That's amazing. So you're That's the guy. Yeah, That's I mean, incredible. So, and I, it's also incredible that you didn't really have a big junior background because that is such an enormous thing, too. Obviously, you were gifted. So you're an All American at Princeton. Then you turn pro in 2014. Then you get a career high, number 206 world ranking. And then before the Australian Open that year, you needed a small surgical procedure on your stomach. Matteo, what happened mm -hmm. then? Yeah, you know, you know, I had a three-year plan coming out of Princeton, and, and I was aware of the difficulty of sort of making it to the top of the game. So I said, look, I said this to my backer, who at the time was a guy by the name of Bill Ackman. I said, Bill, I, I want three years on condition that I reach certain milestones at the end of each year. So if I don't reach these goals, but if I do... You know, let's keep going in the second year. And if I reach that goal, then let's keep going. So it's five, you know, 600 the first year, the second year. In about 18 months, I went from unranked to 206 in October of 2015. I was qualifying for the Australian Open and Wimbledon and French Open. So clearly I was, you know, ahead of track and, and pretty excited about that third year on tour, that was the window, the opportunity. And um, I picked up a small injury in the second half of that year, but it was, it was not annoying me to the point where I couldn't play. But when I finished the season, I was 206. I said, okay, I'm in the Australian Open. Let me go get this taken care of. And I found the world's 
you know, leading hernia expert, and um, she she performs the surgery on you know the best athletes in the world, and they recover within ten days, and they get back on the field. So I said, let me go to this person, and uh, not because of anything that went wrong with her surgery, but I picked up some staph infection in um, in the hospital room or in the hospital, and I recovered from the injury within eleven days, but I had serious serious health issues. I mean, my skin was almost burnt of my entire body. I lost a lot of weight. We had no idea what was going on. And I was out of the game for, you know, seven, eight months. And my ranking started dropping. And, um, you know, that threw off the timeline. And that made me have to sort of rethink the whole journey and, and my deal with Bill. It's like, do we keep going? Do we not keep going? And, you know, that that was a tough, tough moment because I had, the momentum was sort of going going along and, but, you know, it, it led to other great things, and I don't regret any of it. What's better than watching the NBA action? Being a part of it with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You can tap into all the excitement with the click of a button. New customers can place 5 bucks on any pregame money line bet and get 150 bucks in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings Stepped Up Same Game Parlays. Boost your NBA winnings with each leg that you add up to 100%. Same Game Parlay is so fun, and it's a good way to get paid. So download the app right now. Sign up with the code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers can place 5 bucks on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code ROME, R-O-M-E. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. So, Matias, was that a hernia surgery? Because I had a double hernia surgery a couple of years back. Is that the procedure? Was that what you did? Yeah, that's it. You know, sports hernia, very common, especially in males. With mesh? In, in ass. Yeah. Back then, was it with no, mesh? No mesh. That's what I went for. No mesh. You know, the recovery's quicker. But uh <laughs> turned out that that was not right. So. You know, I got that. So I, you did that way back then. I actually did the mesh, and it, it's not the easiest thing to bounce back from. So effectively at that time, did that? Did you try to resume your tennis career after you started to bounce back, or did that effectively kill it, or seemingly so, at that time? What did you do then? I I came back with a protected ranking and I played the US Open just because I thought it would be the only Grand Slam that I would play. So if you know twenty I I, I played the I played the US Open using a protected ranking, but effect, effectively that was it. I had already sort of stopped training and um you know, I started interning um in the United States and started preparing for the GMAT because I was I was gonna start applying to business schools. So that was it, and that's you know that's a tough one to swallow because I I didn't get the shot that I wanted to. I played all these Grand Slams with a protected ranking, without having played, and I even won a round at the French Open. You know, right before going to business school in 2017, I I flew to Paris touristically and similar to, you know, Delray this week. I I, I played the qualies. I beat Gregoire Barrere on the center you know court 17, a big stadium court in, in the French Open, and um, lost in the second round. So. So but that was it. Yeah, yeah. So amazing, right? So I mean, I could do this for hours with you, but bring me up to date then. So you have yeah. a full-time job. You've got a very important job. You're ranked 784th in the world. How did you end up in the main draw of an ATP event this week? Uh, so, 
so for, for, for everyone listening, you're able to sign in on site um, at every tournament as an alternate, right? You get a window on Saturday, a day before the qualies, 4 to 6 p.m. Anyone with a ranking can come and show up. And in case someone pulls out, you take their spot. But when I signed in on Saturday night, everyone who was supposed to play was at Del Rey. Everyone was in the draw was made, and my name was not in the tournament. So effectively, I was not in the tournament. But there's a clause to that rule is that on Sunday, 30 minutes before the start of play, you can sign in again as an on-site alternate. And I think the story's been told already, but I, you know, I left some rackets the night before to get strung, and I woke up on Sunday. I wanted to go play some um, doubles with my boss. And I said, well, let me, let me drive down to Del Rey and just pick up my rackets. And when I got there, the supervisor said, you know, I think one guy is going to pull out. You should stick around. And effectively, you know, that, that put me in contention. And literally up to three minutes before the match with Kozlov, I didn't know if I was supposed to go out on court or not. And then I eventually just, you know, they announced the other guy's name. And uh, it ended up being me. So I went out and, and played Stefan and, and played you know, a pretty good match given the circumstances. All right. So just to make sure everybody understands this, you're 33. You've got a full-time job. You're training whenever and however you can. You fight yeah. your way through the qualities, which must have been awesome in and of itself. That's the other thing. You didn't show up for the main draw. You had to fight your way out of the qualifying, which you did. And then you get to the main draw, which is, I mean, that's amazing. What did you think when you saw that draw and you saw who you were playing in the first round? You know, I'll tell you this. I was texting my coach back home before we knew who the qualifier was. And we both said, I think it's going to be Jack Sock. And I said, I think it's going to be Jack Sock. It's just a feeling. There's no way to know. If you get Your name gets drawn out of a hat. And when the draw came out, he just texted me. He goes, told you. <laughs> and uh, and I was exciting because Jack Sock is an absolute you know stud in our sport. And even though he's not ranked as high as he was today, I mean this is you know Wimbledon champion, top ten player, winner of Paris Masters. It's a it's a big deal for you know a player with my ranking certainly to play a guy that's achieved so much in the sport. So that was like the title. You know it was the the title match for me. And I was just excited and I put together a, a game plan. And of course, like I, the, my odds, the odds weren't in my favor, but you know, I'm a lefty and it's a good matchup. And if I can, you know, return his 140 mile an hour serve, I said, I might have a shot. And, you know, I ended up winning the match in three tough sets and uh, I really found my groove and found, found the zone to sort of, you know, playing and then I got the win and it was just, just surreal. I mean, just the best, the best experience I've had on a tennis court in a very, very long time. You took the word. I was going to say it myself. Like when you talk about how he was a former number or a top 10 player in horse racing, we call that back class, back class. He's got that kind of class. He's got that in him, a former top 10 guy. You lost the opening set. You took the next set. You grind out a tough third set win. The whole thing is so mind blowing. Like how surreal did that all feel walking off the court, knowing that you left your office you left early to play a match in the ATP in the first round, and you beat a former top tenor, and it was the main draw of an ATP event. Like, how surreal was that whole thing, walking off the court? No, it was, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, I had to send uh, an email to my team, you know, explaining why I was leaving the office. That's the sort of the protocol in the office. And say, guys, you know, usually it's like, hey, 
you know, guys leaving office early to go to dentist, leaving office early to go to haircuts. And I go, leaving office early, you got to go play former top 10 Jack Sock on center court. You awesome. Know? That's awesome. <laughs> Here, you know. <laughs> that, that's absolutely incredible. So you, you lost your second round match yesterday, but that in no way detracts from this amazing win and story. So like I said, we'd ultimately come back to the way you started this conversation. Where does it leave you? Like, I get that you have a flourishing career in real estate and in business, do you just return to that life or maybe do you step up your training and look to take one more big shot at the big dream? <laughs> you know, that, that question has been circulating through my mind for the last, you know, 48 hours. Um, it's certainly given me something to think about. You know, I, I, I hope this is not the last match that I play, especially on a, on a big court. You know, I've, I've always loved playing the big matches, even in college or even in, in, in finals. You know, I have, a, I have a good record in finals. I think I have like, you know, 10 out of 12 finals. So I, I like to play for, for these big moments. And I've shown that I can, you know, I certainly won't embarrass myself playing on these tournaments. Uh, you know, it would be really interesting if I can finally get an opportunity or a wild card into one of these big events. Um, that would be very, very exciting. So I, 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 I still have to think about you know, what the next steps are, but there's certainly, you know, the athlete and competitor in me is just dying to get back out there and just go, okay, one more time, baby, you know, all in. And, you know, now with this following that I've sort of developed in the last two days, I think it'll be an interesting story. And maybe, maybe the last chapter hasn't been written yet, but let's see. It's so incredible. I want to walk off on that, but I just want to ask one quick follow. It, it would be an amazing thing. And clearly, you never lost your love for the sport and the game. You love that. You're wired to compete. But if you have a full-time job, and it's an important job, when and how do you train? <laughs> well, you know, it's usually 9 to 6. You know, work 9 to 6. So wake up, you got 6 to 9. A.M., you got 6 to 10 p.m. You know, the, the, there's more time in the day than you think. And, you know, if I can, if, if, if this story can inspire anyone to, you know, do something great outside of their work hours and pursue something outside of their work hours, then you should absolutely do that. And, you know, everyone glorifies the student athlete in college and how great it is that they can do a sport and do full-time schooling, and that's okay, but... You know, the idea of the work athlete is not discussed as much. And there's absolutely, and it doesn't have to be a sport, but it can be whatever. You can, it can be your passion project or it can be something that you're passionate about that you want to pursue. And, that you, you know, the, the dreamer inside you should never die just because you have some other job. And if you, if you have something that you're passionate about, go do it um, because there's always that chance that you just might succeed. And if, if this story has, you know, resonated with anyone it would be that just go pursue whatever it is that you love there's enough time in the day to do everything you know structure your time well it's not easy but if that thing is burning inside you go out and do it oh man so much bigger than just the event the sport the win what a powerful message on the way out the door Matia, i wanted to meet <laughs> you i'm so glad we got to do that an amazing conversation and i hope it's not the end can't wait to keep watching and to see where you go with it man i really appreciate it congrats and thanks for coming on Hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate it, and uh, all the best. I'm a big fan, so keep it going. You too. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. 
Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Let me start with some written beefs. Jim, I got a beef. Helicopter parents, they have corrupted sports from Little League all the way up to the U.S. men's national soccer team. Enough is enough. Can we please get back to letting the players play, the coaches coach, and parents staying in their lane? Best, Kurt, Santa Rosa, California, charter from the mighty 690. Well said. Very well said. My beef is with locker room guy. Don't start a conversation when I'm stark naked and trying to put on my undies. Save the small talk about the weather or scratchy gym towels until after I'm dressed, bro-ham. Two for two. Ian in Chicago. Jim, I have beef with old ladies that wear those sunglasses that fit over their prescription glasses. Pull out that wallet and buy yourself some prescription sunglasses instead of wearing those welder's goggles. Damn, Nick. Three for three. Nick and Erie. So good. My beef is with my wife. I made Chaco tired, my ringtone, and she made me change it back because she was sick of hearing Chaco tired, Chaco tired, Chaco tired. Every time somebody called me. Yeah, well, that ended the streak. Hey, Alvin, do me a favor. Delete that. Like, just take it out of the sound library. Just delete it. Delete it. I don't want to hear that ever again. You know why? Because you idiots are going to wreck a relationship I have with not so much a guy, because I wish I could say that I've got a relationship with Jocko, but I've got a relationship with that company. There are guys within that I communicate with. Not the king himself. I would, man. That's my guy. But I don't want you idiots wrecking my relationship or would-be relationship with one of the guys I admire most. Alvin, seriously, delete that. I can't control what you do on Twitter, morons, but I can't control that part of it. Hey, Jim Rome, my beef is with Bridal Party's members who dip out before cleanup. There's literally nothing more tasteless, you college snobs. Way to drink their alcohol, give a garbage speech that was unbearable and cringy at best, then bolt for the door only to let the family of the bride clean up on the wedding on one of the biggest days of their lives. Talk about the definition of a bag move. Jeff from PDX. I don't know, Jeff. You're lucky they even went to the bridal shower. Leave those college co-eds alone. Abby's in. I got hashtag beef with blue hairs in supermarket lines. Have your coupons ready. Pull the change out of the bottom of your giant bag and shut the hell up about your grandkids. If the cashier says thank you for your patience to the next customer, you done effed up. Abby. War lady clone. War Abby. 
Hi, Rome Slice. My beef is with my pool guy. Hey, bro, when you have to drizzle, use a Gatorade bottle, not my bushes. War Lady Clones, Cindy in Glendale, Arizona. War Lady Clones. Is that our Cindy? Or Cindy in Glendale? That's amazing. Use a Gatorade bottle, not my bushes. Well played, Cindy. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-636-8686. We go to Ray in San Antonio. Ray, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. I got a beef uh, with my proctologist. I've been seeing him for five years, and every week it's the same thing. He's got cold fingers, and I think he's taking pictures back there. Tell me how my ass tastes. Ah. You don't like that. Chuck, I don't like that. You directed me off the written beefs to that. Why? Pick pick it up real quick. I I wonder what happened. I I have to think that Homeboy did not tell you his beef was with his proctologist and his run line was tell me how my ass tastes. What did he tell you he was gonna say? Had a beef lined up about allegedly about the San Antonio weather. So that's what's on so the call you, screen. So you got worked and played. Yeah. Way to go, Ray. Thanks, Ray. One for you, Ray. And one for you, Chaw. Yeah, exactly. One for Ray. Ray got over. Ray's happy with himself. He shouldn't be. 1-800. But we got to hear your song, Chalk, so that's good. 1-800-636-8686. Man, make it better, not worse. Let's try Pomona. Anthony and Pomona. Anthony, what is your beef? My beef is with my boss, Jim, for cutting my hours and while simultaneously giving more stuff me giving me more stuff to do. I can't make traffic go faster and from I'm a permit runner and I'm a warehouse ma- uh, manager. I can't make traffic go faster. I can't make lines go quicker. And you cut my hours, you jerk. Hey Rome, I know it's not a take, but hey boss, you suck. More Kelly Clarkson and the fib fibbing it up. Ooh. Anthony and Pomona. He's pissed about his boss. What? He cut your hours, asked you to do even more, and you make less money. What's your problem, dude? I feel you. I like it. We already got burned in San Antonio once. Why don't we go back and see if it happens again? Ed in San Antonio. Ed, what's your beef? (laughs) Hey, Jim, I'll try to make it better. Yeah, my beef is the moron. I'm stuck in traffic, and the moron in front of me decides to hit his windshield washer and so I catch all of his overspray on my newly washed rig. Wow. Now I know how Mrs. Deloro feels every Wednesday night. Why, Ed, does Mrs. Deloro get her rig washed, and does Alvin pull in front of her and clean his windshield? What do you mean, Ed? What do you mean, Ed? The beef in and of itself is true, though, right? How many times have you had your car washed only to have some a-hole in front of you, take one single gnat off his windshield, and then wreck your whole wash? I get it. Let's try John in Philly. John, what's your beef? Hey, John. Jim, I'm so tired, and boy, do I feel your pain. My beef is with Tara E.D. Larry. I'm so tired of hearing his nonsense. No blue pill is going to help him. And just to show the kind of guy I am, Jim, I'm going to go lower to prove that Larry's less than par and can't rise to the occasion. I'm driving in my car. 
Wom's on the radio. Where he wants to get on air. But Wom says no. Wom says he doesn't like it. Cause Wowie's a wire. If Chalk wets him on, ooh, Chalk gets fired. Yo, all you clones who have to reset everything ad nauseum, put that in your smoke and pipe it. I'm out. My man. Nice job, John. Rack him. You do feel my pain, dude. And you are tired. And I am too. I'm not tired because I'm tired. What we're both tired from and fatigued from is crap. Clone fatigue. And I'm not talking about all of you, just those of you that do what he said. Let's try the written side. Let's see what we got here. Hey, Rome Slice. I have beef with Mrs. Buzzkill. She always finds a way to interrupt me during the beef segment, no matter which segment it is. So needless to say, I won't be listening again because she wants breadsticks for lunch. Well, guess whose breadsticks are getting bonched? My beef is with the bag that parks his whip in the middle of the two open lanes at the bank. There are two lanes, therefore there are two lines. Pick one bag. Gary in the D. Detroit. Not that dumb city who took Kyrie. Yeah, I got a beef. I got a beef with Kyrie and the Mavericks. I hit them last night, plus five and a half. I did. Luckily, Joel picked me up last night. JPR, I have a beef with these knuckle draggers that blast their stereo while pumping gas. Then when they walk inside to grab some Funyuns and Blunts, they leave it on so the rest of us are subjected to their crappy music. If you must do that, could you at least play some Van Halen? Jeff C. in NC. Jim, my beef is with Foot Scoocher. It sounds like you're skating on 20 grit sandpaper. Pick them up. Wesley, near Boise. Tanners. My beef is never knowing when the damn beef segment is. I typically podcast the show. One week, it's on Thursday in the third hour. The next week, it's Wednesday in the first hour. Now it's Thursday in the second hour. Come on, brohams. Jason in Texas. Yo, Jay, it's not that hard, dude. It's always on Thursday. We announce it at the start of every program. I'm very upfront about it. I can almost promise it's not going to be in the first hour, almost. The reason we do that is because it's all based on when the guests come on. If I can't move a guest, I have to move this segment. Feel me? Let's go back to the phones. one 8686 Johnny in Tucson. Johnny, what's your beef? My beef is with all these television networks. Go to a commercial. I switch the channel, and every other one is playing a damn commercial, too. I mean, all right. Of course, we all have to get paid, Johnny. This is how we are able to create content. Sponsors. 1-800. This just in. I don't like commercials. This new this newfangled thing where they give you an advertisement during the content. You mean that? 
Let's try St. Paul. Nick, what's going on? Nick, what's your beef? What's up, Snags? My beef is with my wife cutting her toenails anywhere but the bathroom. Get your ass in the bathroom before one of those flying toenail shards takes out an eye. Out. Nick, I don't know. Tell her, not me. Parody Larry wants in, probably with a rebuttal to how he was done earlier. So I'll give him that opportunity. Yo, Larry, what's your beef? Oh, well, now I got three beefs. Hey, John in Philly, the only pole you'll ever get greased is the one you rode with a traffic light on it after your freaking eagles locked. And JP in Riverside, I got one up on Caleb, baby. I have a son. He's never gotten anything. Last one, Rome, I got a beef with that crackalacking, smoking, milf, methylene in Omaha. Stop talking about buttocks all the time when all you do is walk around with a big dump in your pants, and that's why Rex in the ABQ wants to hook up with you. Ah. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. <laughs> there are those rare moments where I'm glad that I'm not on TV because I don't want anybody seeing me laughing at what he just said. Because I was sort of laughing along with him for the first time ever. The last thing I want to do is encourage that guy. But I guess I just did. Nobody will ever take less and run harder, longer, and further than Lawrence. But the last part of that wasn't even funny, yet I find myself laughing. Make that make sense. That MILF? That MILF methylene? Talking about buttocks? Anyway, let's keep this thing going. We're running out of time. I want to stay with the phones. Justin in Melbourne. Justin, what is your beef? My beef shopping with my family. I mean, every time we go in the store, they shop, and I get stuck in the return line doing all the dirty work. Half the stuff doesn't have price tags. Half the stuff's not even from that store. Last week, and then it was 57 cents. Cashier looked at me. Probably the same way the bartender looks at Dodger Jano when she returns the drink. Enough. Dodger Jano always returns drinks. For whatever reason, she can never get the drink that she wants. And she's not a return the type, but she does do that. He is Ben Golver. Ben, great to have you. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Long time no talk, man. How you doing? That's the truth, Ben. I'm doing great. Great to have you back. I appreciate you making time. I know it's a busy weekend. Lots of different ways to go with it, so why don't I start right here. The Warriors, Ben, are 29-29 after losing to the Clippers on Tuesday. Steph Curry's going to miss the All-Star game. He's got that lower leg contusion. He dealt with a shoulder injury earlier this season. So overall, what is your level of concern regarding the defending champs? I'm going down with the ship, Jim. I'm just going to keep saying I'm not concerned until they're out of the playoffs early and then I'm going to have no excuse. You know, I've been giving them as much leeway uh, as possible. It's been a really strange season. Obviously, it started with the punch in the preseason. It goes, you know, on the road. They cannot win a road game. They can't play defense on the road. It's been a problem all season long. But they do have a couple things going for them. First of all, they've gotten up for some big games. I mean, remember they smacked. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies on Christmas. They beat Boston at home on a big ABC Saturday game as well. So they still have that championship swagger from their core group when everybody's healthy, and they can still you know, kind of kick it up a notch when they need to. I think the other thing that they've got going for them is a phenomenal lineup. You look at their starters. When Steph Curry's out there with Draymond and Clay and the guys who they really want to play, it's still one of the very best lineups in the entire league. And so I think what they're telling themselves is, 
whatever we have to do to kind of limp into April, we're going to do, and we're going to feel pretty confident with almost any matchup that they can get in the first round and beyond. The only uh, you know twist in their plan they might not have seen coming, though, is this Kevin Durant trade because all of a sudden you have to match up with Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton in a playoff series where those guys are probably going to be coming in with some real momentum. Maybe Phoenix would have home court advantage. I really want to see that series. I want to see Suns versus Warriors. And to be honest, you know, coming into the season, I would have obviously taken the Warriors, but I'm starting to sway the other direction just because of that Kevin Durant move. You know, I, I agree with everything you just said, Ben. I like that. And I was going to ask you about Kevin Durant. So he's with the Suns now, but he has been sidelined since January 12th with that MCL sprain. So what do you think? Once he gets back out there, he's healthy, he does what he does. Where would you put Phoenix among the championship contenders? Well, it's so funny, Jim, here in Salt Lake City for All-Star Week, and the guy who everyone's going to talk about is Kevin Durant. He's going to be the guy who's not here. You know, it's going to be such a strange dynamic where uh, everybody's weighing in on, are these guys now the favorites? Should they be the number one seed coming out of the West? You know, I think we're going to have to see how it plays out. I think there's always been a rush every time there's been a new super team to kind of crown that team. That goes back to that Miami Heat big three. And remember, they fell on their face in the the first year together against Dallas in the finals, and and they really didn't get the championship until year two what i love about this fit though i think it's the best personality fit for kevin durant since at least the oklahoma city days right because when he was in golden state you had steph curry dancing around and the warriors are playing with joy and katie was always kind of the guy who had the stirred face the straight face he's not really a big celebration type of guy then he goes to brooklyn and he thinks he's going to have this amazing partnership and buddy buddy relationship with kyrie irving and it turns out katie plays basketball and Kyrie Irving just makes distractions off the court. It really didn't gel as well as they had thought. What he's going to get in Phoenix from the top down is a whole bunch of hoopers, right? Monty Williams, former hooper, who's just all about his business, no nonsense. That's Devin Booker. That's Chris Paul. Uh, and that's Kevin Durant as well. I think it's going to be a great personality fit. I can't wait to see these guys on the court together. And I think we're going to know soon. You know, I think there's a chance You know, within the first five games of KD playing with that group whether or not they should be the favorites in the West. But I would pick them over Denver in a matchup just because Denver doesn't have a great matchup for Kevin Durant positionally. Uh, like I said, I'm leaning towards Phoenix against Golden State as well. And, uh, you know, a young team like Memphis that's super athletic, that has a great home court advantage, I mean, that's going to be a tough out for anybody. But typically experience wins in the postseason – and I do think, you know, Phoenix has probably got the inside track right now to come out of the West. Ben Golliver spinning some knowledge for us. Ben, in, in terms of fit and personality fit and schematic fit, we didn't see Luka and Kyrie play together in last night's game where they lost because Kyrie sat out with some lower back tightness. The Mavericks, of course, have been looking for that star to complement Luka. How do you think that experiment is going to play out in Dallas? Well, I think it's just an unfortunate turn of events for the Mavericks because they had a great, you know, number two guy for Luka and Jalen Brunson. They lost him for nothing last summer. He blossomed into kind of a fringe all-star caliber player this year, and they panicked. They said, we've got to go out and fill that role. You know, there's too much burden on Luka's shoulders. We've got to get him some help. Otherwise, all these guys are going to say Luka wants to leave the Mavericks in a couple of years. And, you know, it's sort of like uh, the early LeBron story when he was in Cleveland, right? It's like if you don't get him some help, he's going to bail for a super team. I think they were so caught up and concerned about uh, the lack of talent around him that they took a massive risk, uh, a big bet on Kyrie Irving trading away a really nice forward in Dorian Finney-Smith, as well as a future first-round pick, which would be a very valuable piece in any kind of a trade. 
to really kind of get a rental with Kyrie Irving because he's not necessarily locked in for the long term. It has to work here over the next couple of months for him to decide he wants to stay. And then that's where it really gets tricky because we've seen that have uh, teams that have signed Kyrie Irving to multiple year deals. It almost always blows up in their face, right? The Brooklyn Nets, I mean, they really just did not get their money's worth from the Kyrie Irving experience in terms of how often he was on the court. So I think from a short-term perspective, the basketball fit's going to be great. Kyrie can get you 30. Luka can get you 40. Heck, sometimes Luka could get you 60, right? I mean, they're, they're going to be able to score the basketball. But this is all about personalities. It's all court stuff. It's all about whether Kyrie Irving can prove that he's going to be able to be a consistent part of the team and a guy who puts basketball first. And you can make a lot of money, Jim, betting against Kyrie Irving being able to do that. Ben Golliver is joining us. I agree with you, Ben. He's in Salt Lake City. He's there for the All-Star Game. Ben, you mentioned LeBron. Speaking of LeBron, the Lakers revamped their roster at the deadline. They beat New Orleans last night. How do the new-look Lakers look to you? And do you see them getting in and doing any damage once they get there? Uh, you know, I don't see the damage part of it. I mean, maybe they could sneak into the last play-in spot, but I think when anytime you're trying to bring this many new pieces together on a short timeline – it should really be about evaluation and deciding who gets to stick around for next year. Who are you going to re-sign in the summer? In other words, do you want to give D'Angelo Russell his next contract, right? Do you want to go ahead and pay Rui Hachimura and some of these other guys that they've brought in? That should be the focus here for the stretch run because I still don't think if you put all these guys together that they have enough talent to go on the kind of run that they would need to make uh, to get themselves up into that play-in picture they're going to get some help, right? You know, you figure a team like Utah, after they're trading away some pieces, they're probably going to slide down. Portland's been struggling a little bit. You've got Oklahoma City that's still young, and, you know, maybe they won't go for a huge push, but they still seem like they're trying to win games this year and not tank. So it's just a very crowded field for the Lakers. I have not been impressed this season with their defensive intensity. Um, you know, I do think trading Russell Westbrook was addition by subtraction. It's just going to make everybody a little bit lighter in that locker room. It's going to you know, put the ball in the right people's hands. LeBron's going to have it a little bit more. Davis is going to have it. There's going to be plenty of uh, room for D'Angelo Russell to kind of step in and do his thing. Uh, so I think that you know, their deadline was good. I'm just not sure it was good enough to really vault them into the, the, the category of meaningful teams. I mean, if you just line up you know, the teams that we would consider the favorites, Denver, you know, Phoenix, Golden State. I mean, if you're putting them in a playoff series against the Lakers, and that feels like a sweep or five games to me. And, and I think, you know, ultimately, some of the older players on the Lakers also have to show that they can, you know, stay healthy down the stretch. LeBron's been missing a, a whole bunch of time recently after breaking the scoring record. And, you know, that could be the determining factor. You know, if he can't stay healthy with his foot and his ankle injuries and be on the court every single night, to me, they're dead in the water. We are talking to Ben Culver. He's in Salt Lake City for the All-Star Game. A couple of more moments with him. Ben, speaking of Westbrook, what is the market for Westbrook, and where do you see him ending up? Well, it's so funny because the players have one answers and the GMs have a different answer, don't they, Jim? Right. I mean, you look at the, uh, no doubt. You look at the Clippers, the, play, the players are out there campaigning. You know, it's almost like it's a presidential campaign. And then, you know, you get the quotes from the front office, and it's like, hey, you know, we're not quite so sure. So, you know, I think it's really going to come down to where are his relationships the best, right? I mean, the teams who are uh, have been out there, you know, rumored to have interest in Westbrook, it's like the Wizards, which was his former team, right? Uh, it's the Chicago Bulls, who have his former coach, Billy Donovan, who was there in Oklahoma City with them. And it's uh, the Clippers, who have Paul George, you know, who was his former teammate 
with the Oklahoma City Thunder as well. So he's got to lean on those relationships to find his next spot. But I watched this guy all year. I watched him all last year in Los Angeles. He has his moments every once in a while, but I don't think at this stage of his career he's a positive contributor, even in a small role, like a six-man role, to a team that really wants to go deep in the playoffs. And so I would say buyer beware, especially especially for a team like the Clippers. They need a point guard. They have a huge hole at point guard. They've got nobody who can really attack the rim and go downhill, and that's why the Clippers are interested in him. But to me, uh, you know, I still don't think it's going to be a fit. Uh, the defensive issues for him are, you know, just a constant uh, problem. Uh, and then also his shooting has just been, uh, you know, really, really rough this year. And he has a hard time laying off the shots, Jim. You know, it's one thing if you can't shoot. It's another thing if you can't stop yourself from shooting. And uh, Westbrook falls into both those categories, unfortunately. Ben, before you go then, to that point, what if you can't start yourself in terms of shooting? For instance, with Durant and Kyrie gone, the new look Nets get a career-high 45 from Mikel Bridges in their win over the Heat last night, but... But Ben Simmons only had two points in 20 minutes coming off the bench after playing just 13 minutes Monday night. When you watch Simmons play right now, what do you see? Well, you know, that's the old joke, right, Jim? It's like if Bridges and Simmons can combine for 47 every night, you're in good shape, right? Well, if you can only, you can only count on two from Simmons, that's going to be a big problem and hard to kind of sustain. Um, you know, to me, he is not a starting, starting caliber player anymore in the NBA. You know, there was a lot of talk early in the season. Oh, he's just got to work his way into the mix. But, you know, consistently night to night, he often scratches late like he just decides he's not going to play shortly before tip-off, which throws everything off for your team, and I'm sure it drives his coach crazy. Uh, and then when he's on the court, it's passive. Like you said, he's kind of afraid to shoot. And it seems like he started off not wanting to shoot the three-pointers. Then he didn't want to shoot the free throws. And now it's like he doesn't want to shoot at all. Uh, we have not gotten a clear understanding from him or explanation for you know what's behind these issues to me it's just a classic case of the yips and there's no way you can trust this guy in a playoff series because you know he's playing random games in february and march where nobody's playing defense in the nba this season scoring's going crazy everybody's getting 40 50 60 points a night i mean you can go out there and do your thing it's, you know it's kind of like a track meet this year and yet simmons who used to be really good in transition still hasn't found a, an effective fit on offense it, it boggles the mind like i said i think it's the yips and if Brooklyn does succeed in getting into the playoffs with this new-look group after trading all of their stars, uh, I'm telling you right now, Ben Simmons will not be a priority. I mean, he's going to be playing limited minutes. They're going to be going with the other guys and just trying to make it work without him. Hey, Ben, it's not going to be long before he won't even participate in a layup drill before the game, right? Well, the problem is he's, un he's under contract for so long, Jim, and that's the thing. Of all the mistakes that Brooklyn made, and we could probably do a three-hour show about – all the screw-ups the Nets had over these last couple of years. One of the biggest mistakes was when they made that James Harden trade, they took back Ben Simmons' contract. They talked themselves into being able to fix or change Ben Simmons, the player, and they didn't think about how much money this guy was owed. Not only did they lose James Harden and only get a couple picks back, they saddled themselves with this gigantic contract that's going to sit on their books for years because he's going to be so difficult to trade. It was a huge blunder. They were under a lot of pressure last year at the deadline to kind of change things up and to get Harden out of there. But they should have tried to find a different deal, or they should have just sent James Harden home because uh, you know that Simmons contract is just going to linger there and screw up their roster-building efforts for years to come. And you are in mid-season form. How about one last thought on the way out the door? Because you're in Salt Lake. Joel Embiid admits he's not right physically. What is his status for the All-Star game and beyond? 
Hey, I, I wish I could play as well as Joel Embiid if I'm not right, because this guy has been on a tear for like two months straight. I mean, his numbers are absolutely out of control. They're winning basketball games. He's meshing with James Harden. They're, you know, working in some minor pieces around the edges after the trade deadline. I think he said multiple times he's not sure he's going to be able to play on Sunday. I haven't heard an update beyond that, but he wouldn't be alone. I mean, there's no Steph Curry, no Kevin Durant, no Zion Williamson. A couple other guys might be missing out because of injuries as well. So that's why I've kind of been saying this year's All-Star game is more like the Sun-Star game. You know, we we got some of them. We don't have all of them, and we're just going to try to make do with who we've got. Well, Ben, I'm going to reserve the temptation to ask you yet another follow and let you go. I really appreciate it. An NBA national writer for the Washington Post, co-host of the Greatest of All Talk podcast, author of Bubble Ball, Inside the NBA's Fight to Save a Season. A great read if you have not done so already. He's in Salt Lake City. Ben, great, great job. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Jim. Take care, man. Good night, now.